Hello and welcome back to the NR Network podcast. I'm your host, Kyla Kaplan, and today I'm so excited to be joined by Stephanie Lee. Stephanie's taken on amazing roles throughout her career, most notably tackling politics and government while working on the 2008 presidential campaign, and then at the White House for the First Lady Michelle Obama. While working at the epicenter of the beauty industry later on in her career, she tackled her personal mental health crisis head on and said goodbye to a steady paycheck and traveled around the world, which later led to what we know now as her company, Selfmade. We talk more about her upbringing and what it was like dealing with mental health in an Asian American household how she practices self-care, and the power of self-expression. As always, you can find all of the links in the show notes, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hey, I'm so happy to be here and I'm so excited to chat with you. So thank you for having me. Of course. We had a really great like pre-chat, so I'm excited to get into the thick of things with self-made as well as your background. But before we get started, I always love to ask what you're most looking forward to this week. Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Only because COVID has made it hard to plan and look forward to things. So, um, you know, something that I've been trying to work on, especially as you know, a uh, first time founder, you become super obsessed with your work and almost can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. So I've been learning how to have mental distance. And part of that is going to the pool and going for a swim. Awesome. So I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to it, just using my brain in a very different way. So, mm-hmm. and you're in California. So is that going to be an outdoor pool? Yes. An outdoor. That's so nice. Cause it's still in Northern (laughs) California. So it's a still little crisp and cool in the morning. So yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm going to be living vicariously through you because it's (laughs) like 10 degrees outside in Vancouver. Before we get into our topics of mental health, self-care and self-made, I'd love if you could give an introduction of yourself and your personal background. Sure. Um, you know, I did love our pre-chat because it just touched on like where both of us came from. Yeah. Um, so I definitely identify as a kid of immigrants. I'm first generation. I grew up in the South um, and I'm the oldest of three kids and the only girls so that could probably give you an idea <laughs> of <laughs> uh, the fact that I am always pioneering, especially with my little brothers. Um, but essentially, you know, growing up in the South, I looked like a sore thumb because I didn't look like people around me and went up, uh, to work in DC. I worked for the first lady, Michelle Obama at the white house for a number of years and really managed teams across the world and worked with secret service and the air force. And that was really about making impact, um, and speaking to people who haven't been spoken to before in a very creative way. So how do you take, you know, these really dry, but important policies Mm -hmm. and make it feel important, um, whether it's front page news or an event um, for people that it really matters for. And then I went on to work at Estee Lauder Companies in New York. Um, And so we were just talking about New York and our mutual love for the hustle and bustle. And it was definitely that um, 
experience for me. I worked first in their venture arm uh, for a couple months while they got started and then worked at Mac Cosmetics doing product development. Um, so really looking at solving co consumer problems through product. So taking it from a little beaker all the way to big kettles onto the retail floor. Um, and so that's a little bit about me in sense of like my resume, but what I really love doing, um, which I got to do after a mental health crisis while working at Mac was, you know, after years of therapy, went on a world trip by myself, almost made it across the world. I ended up doing like a huge U-turn from <laughs> Australia to Sri Lanka, but 11 countries, 16 states, and got to speak to women across the world about mental health and self-worth and took all those stories back with me um, and came back to the U.S. in mid-2019. Wow. So, I mean, that in itself, I definitely want to get into, and I have that <laughs> on on our, on our list to pick your brain about. But in terms of your career, what would you say was the biggest thing that you took from all the positions really that you had that one helped you in your role now, but two, is there anything that you took away from that that kind of led you to travel? Like, was there any like aha moment within the years that you were in corporate? Yeah, those are great questions. To the first question, I think growing up as an Asian American in the South, I was kind of societally told to fade into the background or, you know, fit in. Belonging was really big for me. And so kind of contorted or like hid myself in little ways. But through work, like working for the first lady and then learning from her and moving forward, um, one of the biggest um, lessons that I learned that had a huge impact on me was really about like, be different, do yeah. things differently. And I think that's been really important when it comes to how I see this business in the sense that, you know, I love that you have a female founder focused uh, podcast because when we talk about that and we talk about you know, people of color and BIPOC, traditionally folks are like, we just want a seat at the table. We just want a seat at the table. But what I've recognized through my corporate working life or more institutional bureaucratic working life is <laughs> when you have a set of chairs um, and you reserve only two of them for a woman or a person of color, whoever it might be, that means we're all fighting for the same chairs. So the way that I foundationally think about my brand and what impact I'd like to have is how do we build a completely different table um, in order to feel welcomed to pull up a chair, uh, which I think is just a paradigm shift, right? Of like, think differently, be different. And you, we don't have to follow the same formula that somebody else has done. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good thing to note because I, you never really think of that when people do say, you know, we want a seat at the table, but then you are comparing or I guess competing against one another. So, you know, for me, that is a really big thing to be able to share these conversations, having a female led podcast and being able to share opinions that, you know, for example, you have about that, because I don't think people would necessarily think of that all the time. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think it's becoming more of a conversation because I think that comes from that way of thinking comes from social mm -hmm. justice thinking like, you know, for the longest time, it's like white male patriarchy, you know, even when it comes to like the industry I'm in, a large majority of CEOs for a beauty yeah. company or skincare company are male. 
whereas most of the employees and the people purchasing are female. And so that kind of yeah. doesn't, that doesn't make sense, basically. Yeah. <laughs> what I really admire too about self-made and about you specifically is your focus on mental health and self-care. And I think something that we can, you know, both understand is growing up in an Asian culture and how mental health and self-care has a different meaning to it. (laughs) So growing up Mm -hmm. as a child of immigrant parents, especially, you know, in the South, if that had anything to play into your mental health as well, along with the cultures of, you know, the Asian culture around you, what was your mental health like growing up as a child? What was your relationship with that? I mean, non-existent. I don't even think we used the words. And to be honest, you know, only just like a few, a year or two before the pandemic were, was mental health a part of like a mainstream conversation. So growing up as an Asian American, my parents didn't talk about it. It wasn't something that we spoke about in school. It wasn't really considered a part of health in general, because so much of it was focused on physical health. And when, you know, when you don't recognize such a huge piece of who we are as a human being, right? That emotional, mental, physical, spiritual um, pieces of who we are, that part is shut down. You know, that part isn't nourished. It's not fed. It can't grow. Um, And so that has had a huge effect on who I became as an adult, you know, from being a young kid who wanted to belong, but was bullied for the way that they looked to a person, you know, sitting in a conference room, afraid to speak up because maybe I'll sound stupid or maybe they'll second guess me, or maybe they're even like, I don't even know how many comments I've gotten about being smart at math. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just for being Asian. So I think for me, it's, it's something that no matter what has the way that I look and the fact that I'm Asian has always led the thoughts around who I am. And for me, the work that I've largely done in therapy before this, but then also within work is how do I take my seat as a CEO, even though I've been conditioned and learn, you know, these learned pieces about, um, being, you know, a kid of immigrants or a a minority Mm -hmm. or any of the above, um, it takes a lot of work to do that. And so being a founder and a first-time entrepreneur, you know, not only is it hard to actually build something where there is nothing or has nothing, nothing has existed before, but I'm continually challenged on a day-to-day basis in terms of my emotional resilience, my ability to like decision-make and all of those pieces have to do with how's my mental health doing. You know, even before this, I was like, tearing up at something at work, you know, and, and that is so normal to the process. Um, and, and feeling kind of the roller coaster of how my mental health affects the work that I'm, I'm in and the work affects my Mm -hmm. mental health. What, what would you say has been the most helpful with taking control of your mental health and kind of that narrative around, you know, mental health being almost like taboo in the Asian culture, Was there anything growing up that really helped you if, you know, you weren't really able to speak as freely with your family? Was there anything that you kind of turned to as you were growing up that really supported you? It's funny. I have a uh, shoebox full of old 
journals and diaries um, from when I was a kid, because that was such a safe place for me to put how I felt, what I thought, and not feel judged for those pieces. And so journaling, as hard as it is to like really sit in that moment and let the words flow and the pen go, is something that helped me through my adolescence when honestly, I didn't feel like I had anyone, including my parents. I will say that the reason why I ended up going to therapy and having a mental health crisis is because of loss. And what is so amazing about coming from an Asian culture is that there, you know, we're family Mm -hmm. first. When I was, you know, hurting and in despair and all of those pieces, I asked my parents to come to therapy with me. They didn't say (laughs) yes the first time or the second time, persistence, (laughs) but the third time, I think (laughs) it ended up working out and they came multiple times realizing that like I had to ask help and understand where I came from and how they raised me in order to understand who I am today uh, to move Mm -hmm. forward. Especially those childhood traumas that you never really think about that would affect you. It's like every little thing that you, you know, maybe have done throughout your life or are doing now, even for myself, like I can eat, I can pinpoint why I'm doing what I'm doing based on the self-awareness through therapy. It's crazy. It's incredible. And it is kind of like, (laughs) right. Like, (laughs) and like to have that self-awareness requires the like space to have self-discovery, like encourage that exploration. And I think what's interesting or what's been told that's interesting about self-made is that there's so many brands out there that are about like express yourself, you know, self-expression. But what we're really about is like, how do we create moments and create tools that lead to moments of self-exploration? Because that's where self-awareness comes from, you know, asking ourselves questions, spending time with ourselves alone. And even if it might feel a little uncomfortable, you know, knowing that it's okay to lean into it and that you're not alone in that either. Yeah. I really love that. And, you know, that's something I want to get into is the journey that you've had throughout your career that really led you to starting and founding self-made. So you mentioned traveling across the world and really having that moment to yourself to be able to reflect, but also to be able to have conversations with women. And that's something that I read, you know, through your bio. So can you tell us a little bit more about your experience having those meaningful conversations and how that really opened up to starting this company and being an entrepreneur? Well, first, I want to say that every single person, female presenting, whoever it might be, should travel alone. I think it's an experience that, you know, A, travel just opens your mind. It's great for mental health in general. It is a privilege to do that Mm -hmm. and spend money on it. But adventures that really invest in who you are out in the world, I think, are incredible in confidence building um, at the same time like terrifying. Um, so the, my intention for traveling was to really reckon with my mental health and everything I learned in therapy, which is, you know, how to be vulnerable in the world, how to like deal with (laughs) uncertainty and really how to take care of myself, even to like the fact that there other countries are not like New York city. There is not a pizza place on the corner (laughs) at 9 PM that you could just grab a slice. Like when they eat, they eat. So if you, you're not hungry, you have to plan ahead and really think about how to take care of yourself because no one else is going to take care of you. So I think that was the major intention. And 
in terms of how these stories like, uh, and people have really affected me, it's the experiences and how I felt speaking to folks. What I love the most is, you know, the U S maybe Canada, (laughs) you'll have to tell me, um, is very much about individualism, you know, like how am I different and unique from you? And how am I like, you know, uh, ingenue, how am I amazing and how are we different? Right. Whereas meeting folks and being able to speak vulnerably and connect it deeper around emotions and self-worth. The most interesting thing that I found through every conversation is that we feel the same exact range of human emotion. That could be sadness, happiness, excitement, joy, disappointment, boredom, all of the above. And it's actually that sameness. If we recognize and sit in it together is what connects mm-hmm. us. Um, and that in itself reminds us that we belong to something bigger um, and we're truly not alone. And I think that is kind of the most important takeaway that I've had. And when I thought about this business and what's that connection between beauty and Mm -hmm. self-worth and all that stuff through our data with Gen Z women of color, specifically, we found that those who have a higher feeling of self-worth are more likely to see themselves as beautiful. So that's extremely contrary to what, um, we've been told, which is when you feel good or sorry, when you look good, yeah. you go, you feel, you feel good. So put on that lipstick so you can feel better all of a sudden, but it's actually quite the opposite. When you really think about it from a mental health standpoint, when you feel good, you see yourself as beautiful and also who gives a shit yeah. what other people think <laughs> about you, you know? And I think those are the most important pieces when it comes to how we see ourselves and create that relationship of, of, of trust in order to increase our feeling mm-hmm. of self-worth. Let's take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, Ana Luisa. Ana Luisa features high quality jewelry pieces at affordable prices starting at $39. What I love most about Ana Luisa is that they're carbon neutral from their packaging to their products. Ana Luisa's designs are unique and strive to make you feel empowered, elegant, and at your finest. Enjoy 20% off of the Ana Luisa website with the link in the show notes at shop.analuisa.com slash in our network. Now let's get back to the episode. What I really also love about self-made is how you've really made a point to intertwine the products with also the mental health and self-care mission of the company. And would you say the products themselves and the meaning behind the products, did that come from any of your conversations with the women that you met? Or was there any specific conversation that you can pinpoint that really inspired you to create some of these products? Yeah. You had asked earlier if there's aha moments and all that stuff. And I think it's, it's not one singular moment, but there are these micro moments that kind of snowball, which is a really cool thing to kind of look back and see. But in particular, there was one experience when I was in Thailand and I went to, I'm putting in quotes, a healing (laughs) center. Um, I was going for like vegan buffet, yoga every day, obviously it's Thailand, Mm -hmm. so coconuts and drinking them by the pool. But um, 
when I got there is really interesting to me because like I said, a traveling is an, is a privilege. Number two, being able to work on your mental health <clears throat> is another privilege that most BIPOC folks don't have access to, especially when you think about the fact that, you know, within the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, physiological needs, safety needs, and then you get to love and belonging and all the things that, mm -hmm. you know, beauty brands and love to talk about. So when I was in Thailand, it was really interesting for me as an Asian person that also like I look more like the people serving me food than all the people seated with me, enjoying food with me and doing yoga with me and all of the above. So recognizing that number one, it's a privilege. Number two, when you go to a healing center and anything that promises you transformation or perfection, or this is the solution to your problem, like a lot of marketing is um, within wellness, there are already so many gurus and authorities in our lives telling us what we should and shouldn't do. The biggest connections that actually change, you know, that light bulb aha moment are the connections we make ourselves. And I think it's really important to recognize that when you are searching for yourself, you are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people, businesses, brands out there that are so willing to take um, advantage of that vulnerability. So I think those are the two pieces that how do we, you know, that from the privilege piece, how do we create more accessibility? And from the vulnerability piece, how do we root it in credible mental health that actually makes one feel better? I can't do the work for somebody, but I can certainly point to the self-awareness and ask the questions. And that's what every single product does. First step of um, self-awareness is expanding your emotional vocabulary. Every single product that we create is actually named after and embodies a mental health or psychological concept. For instance, secure attachment comfort serum. It's like a hug for your face and has an incredible active ingredient that actually lowers your cortisol level, which is your skin, mm -hmm. your stress within your skin. Because when you have insecure attachments, it actually increases your anxiety. A secure attachment starts with the relationship with yourself. So how do you nurture that? Um, from that to true grit resilience scrub. So really thinking about the fact that like the scrub, the exfoliation leads to um, more resilient skin also marries with the fact that friction in our lives is actually necessary to, to have growth mindset, yeah. to be able to bounce back and, in, and tackle obstacles is a really important um, emotional skill to have. And then thirdly, our last product is called self-disclosure, which is um, it's actually the action behind emotional intimacy, how we create closeness with ourselves and others by sharing thoughts, ideas, opinions, stories, um, all of the above. And so these are core elements of being mm -hmm. a human being and they are emotional skills that we don't necessarily, um, we're not taught in school. And if you're lucky enough to have your parents teach you, then that's awesome. But a lot of my friends and myself didn't have that mm -hmm. privilege. So I personally really love the products. I've been using them for quite a few weeks. I want to talk more about also how how to use slash how to incorporate these products into your self-care routine. So I'd love if you could talk a little bit more about your personal self-care routine and how you integrate these products in your everyday life. Yeah, that's also a super great question because I think when we kind of like think about self-care from a consumer <clears throat> standpoint, it's like we're, we're shown product over and over again. And it's almost like there's this blanket definition yeah. of self-care, but self-care is so personal. It's 
Number one, recognizing what you need, figuring that out and being able to meet that need is what self-care is. And so for me, my self-care routine normally happens in the morning immediately when I wake up. I am not a morning person, but what it does is set the day, Mm -hmm. the tone for the day. And so that's incredibly important to me. And so for me, the first thing that I do in the morning is I simmer in bed. That's also great for the fact that I don't have to like hit the alarm and run to a subway to catch it, to get to work nowadays. But the whole idea around simmering in bed is actually taking a moment in bed and just like simmering, like Mm -hmm. a pot of soup on the, on your oven or on your stove. And so the idea around that is to really just ground into my, into myself before I start the day, because again, that's the tone of the day I think. And I, I like close my eyes and I literally think about how do I feel? What does my day look like? How does my body feel like? How's my skin feel like? And that usually leads to the natural part of like actually physically taking care of myself, which starts with honestly secure attachment. I'm a pretty lazy person (laughs) when it comes to anything outside of this, but secure attachment in the sense that two pumps, I put it on my face and the way that it is texturally and sensorially is it actually is a water break. So it really turns into almost like this really lovely wave yeah. of hydration that penetrates your skin and then starts to firm up and gel as mm-hmm. you're massaging it into your skin. And there's a question on it that says, what does loving myself look like in action? And I think that's a really important question that leads back to like, what's the relationship with myself? How do I show myself love? And most of the time it is in these moments where I'm by myself in my bathroom or in my bedroom, really taking the time to um, touch myself mm-hmm. Self-touch is a form of self-care, which is, I think is really important to, to note when we've been in COVID and afraid to hug yeah. people and we're six feet away from people, like we're missing touch. Um, and there's a really cool psychological concept that we all experience and have experienced probably through this called skin hunger. Your, your skin actually hungers for touch. And so doing this for yourself is such a sacred moment. For me also love the fact that like, for a secure attachment, it's a one and done for me because it's super, super hydrating and it helps with moisture barrier. So <laughs> usually you would put an SPF on that. I'm a bad girl and I <laughs> love to be in the sun. So that's something that I do. But with True Grit, even using it in the, in the shower and my scalp and really massaging mm-hmm. my head and rounding in the smell and taking a moment for myself, these are all pieces of that routine. And when you have routine with intention to spend with yourself, that's what makes it a ritual. And so those are the moments that, you know, since we don't get a lot to to take care of ourselves are really important. And I prioritize. So that was super long-winded basically, but that's what it kind of looks like other than taking my antidepressant (laughs) and anxiety medication. That is the other self-care ritual that I do. For the comfort serum, I've been using it every morning and it's so cooling. Like it almost gives me like this, like breath of fresh air. Like I instantly, when I put it on, I'm like woken up. Cause like you said, it's so hydrating. It's so cooling and it just makes my skin feel so plump. So I love it. Well, thanks for saying that. Cause that's exactly how I experience it. Like it gives like a healthy yeah. glow, which is so nice because are we wearing makeup that much no. anymore? <laughs> no, but the nice thing is it can act as a primer. Um, but 
what I, when I first started formulating it and working with product development on it and our um, formulator on it, when I started using it, I was like, I think I'm obsessed with this because after three days, I could start to see the actual natural glow mm-hmm. and hydration start to um, come over, t- over time, um, which has been really great when you think of the fact that also self-care, if you continually do it yeah. over time, it fills you up in that yeah, sense too. I agree. Something that I always, or that I also want to get into is common room. So I'd love if you could share a little bit more about that. Yeah. This also stems from that trip um, to Thailand that I mentioned before of like the, how do you actually do credible um, Mm -hmm. work on yourself? Whereas, you know, rather than following what a guru, guru says. And I think for us, we're in the middle of rethinking common room, but the most important piece of this is how do we actually do the work of exploring what our attachment style is or what our, you know, how do we tap into our individual resilience and our communal resilience, or how do we even start being intimate with ourselves before being intimate mm-hmm. with others? So the common room was developed each of all of these products, including the common room was developed with mental health experts, um, to really baby step, almost like if your therapist were to give (laughs) you homework, um, from therapy, what would that actually look like to do that work yourself, not being told to do it, you know, but at your own pace and really ground into an element of what it's like to be a human. So there's so many meditation apps out there. There's so many like teletherapy things out there but there's nothing to actually learn about yourself in these specific pillars. And so I thought that was really important to be able to do that exploration on your own time and really ask yourself questions and be able to make that those connections to why it's important in your life. Um, And so every single product actually has a chapter of the common room. And we are in the middle of thinking about, you know, when we speak to Gen Z, who this is a fact um, that I learned recently compared to folks um, like a hundred years ago, we process more than a more information in one week than a person did in their whole entire life's lifetime. So when we think about the fact that like, we are constantly on our phones, um, mm-hmm. swiping and filtering information. How do we actually tap into how young people, I'm putting put myself <laughs> in that category as well, learn nowadays. And that actually is a part of psychology as well. So it's been really cool to see how common room will evolve. So people will have to stay tuned, but at the same time, um, those elements are going to be folded into our blog. People can still access common room. Um, if they want any journal prompts or yoga sequences that are either, you know, focused on attachment mm-hmm. or resilience to really build up, um, some of those skills. Yeah, I so. really love that. Cause it's a space where you can feel safe, but also, you know, open to trying new things like journal prompts too, is something that I love. And I feel like having, or people, when they say like, just put the pen to paper, like sometimes it's hard. It's hard to totally. put all of your thoughts into specific categories or, you know, just write them down. Sometimes it's a bit overwhelming. So I love how there's, you know, multiple aspects of common room that are available to everyone. So I'll definitely link that in the podcast notes. And it's yeah. free, which is awesome, right? Like I think for us at our core, I think we're the only beauty brand that has a mission to make uh, mental health tools and resources mm-hmm. more accessible. Um, because that's really for us, this like new generation of what a a well Mm -hmm. wellness lifestyle Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. What are your hopes for self-made 
in the coming years? That's a big question. I know, sorry to put that on you, (laughs) but I'm excited to hear. (laughs) No, I think for us, what's been really cool is when people get it, they really get it. And so we have folks that are really fanatical about the product and what it stands for. And um, this mental health wave that we're seeing um, is a big wave and it won't stop anytime soon. So for us to be at the forefront of that and recognized by the industry as being at the forefront of emotional well-being has been really cool. I think what it does for us is open up um, channels for moving forward through creating more product um, that helps to make that connection. There are so many concepts out there um, that uh, are finding a home with us in terms of becoming a physical product. Um, So really excited about doing more of that exploration with a lot of our stakeholders and consumers because it is really cool to kind of see it come to life and then really see the tool aspect of this, the app aspect of this grow and take shape in life in a way that hasn't been seen before is exciting for us. And me and in general, because I'm such a like problem solver and puzzle doer that for me, what I really think about how we live our lives, we're no, we're not really living just in silos. We don't live in the physical. We don't live just in the digital. It's really that relationship to the both of those things um, that kind of complete this ecosystem. So when I think about our physical product and our digital app, that's what I get most excited about because that's the opportunity um, to really double down in and make that connection super clear for folks so that there is a place where folks can find resources and community around the things that they're already talking about Mm -hmm. and already using. Mm -hmm. And it's so refreshing to see a company and a beauty brand so focused on the well-being of others. So, you know, that's why I really love speaking to you and knowing more about self-made. And I think I saw on your website as well that people can be early beta testers of the app. So if anyone is interested, I'll leave the link to that as well in the show notes. But my two final questions before we end things off, I always love to ask and kind of reflect on a pinch me moment in your career. I know you mentioned and shared, you know, other, you know, previous jobs that you've had, and I'm sure like working for the first lady can't even imagine what that would, what that would have been like, but I'd love if you could share a pinch me moment. That's a really good question. Pinch me moment. There could be a few or every day. I'm sure it's like a pinch me being an entrepreneur and being great and creating this brand really is. I think the pinch me moments is like, they're not really having to do with like those external validation pieces. Mm-hmm. Cause a, I'm trying to stay away from that for my own <laughs> mental health. B I think it's uh, it's, it's so cool to see something come to life. I think that's been a theme of mine from whether it's working the first lady or working at Mac and especially within this business this was just an idea, a seed in my head. And I remember being so insecure and scared, like, is this stupid? Or, you know, is anyone going to get this that I couldn't even tell my partner at the time? I was like, you're going to think I'm dumb. And through tears, kind of like talking through this idea and like having my voice waver and like that nervousness to really being able to see it and people get it and people emailing and just saying like, I love what you're doing. This needs to happen more um, is really cool because it's different from saying like, I need, I love, and I need another serum or face 
wash, right? Like it's, it's more meaningful to people to be seen by a brand in a way they haven't been seen before. And that's what really encourages me on a day-to-day basis. So maybe it's not a pinch me moment. It's a few pinch me, <laughs> a few pinch me yeah. moments. Um, Cause it's been a long journey and it hasn't stopped mm-hmm. yet. So, and I love what you said earlier too, about them. I know you use the word micro moments and I love that because you know, everything builds up together for, for your, yeah, for what you're doing right now. So, you know, with that and with your experience throughout your career, what advice have you been given or an advice that you can give that you would want other people to know, or, you know, entrepreneurs that are maybe getting started in the industry? Great question. I think regardless if it's an entrepreneur or a regular human being, something that um, a mentor of mine told me while I was going through a hard time and just trying to like hard time in the sense of the mental health crisis, hard time in the sense of like, what am I doing with my life told me, and this might feel a little controversial because we've been told the opposite, I think, but um, it's me before family, friends, God. Um, I'm not a religious person, but that's Mm -hmm. what she said. Um, And I think the important piece of that is, especially when you're speaking to female presenting founders, is the fact that we as, you know, women are essentially conditioned to take care of others before ourselves. Mm -hmm. So much to the point that you probably, I look at my mother or I look at like folks that I've worked for um, in previous years that they will sacrifice and give and give and give. And this world will always take and take and take. And so remembering that it's me before anything else, I have to fill my cup up because if I don't take care of myself, there's no way I can take care of anybody else, especially when it comes to business, because so much of the business and the personal becomes blurry and one in the same. And I think that's the most important thing to recognize on a day-to-day basis is that taking care of me, my mental health and self-preservation is important to the viability and success of the business as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really love that. And I do resonate with that a lot because there's nothing wrong with putting yourself first. I think a lot of people and women, especially like you mentioned, feel as though doing that is selfish, but it's actually in a way selfless because you know that you can't be your best self unless you take care of yourself and you can't really give your best self unless to other people, unless you do the work. So I really love that piece of advice. I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Well, that was my last question. And you know, this whole conversation has been so amazing. Our pre-chat and, you know, our, our chat now, it's so amazing to listen to women and hear from women that are so focused on the well-being of others and that really get it. And I just appreciate the time that you you share today and I appreciate you sharing your story. Well, thank you so much for making the space. I think that's also a really important thing about representation. It's not like what we look like or what color our skin is. It's really about hearing the thoughts, stories, opinions mm-hmm. of, of folks that look different. And um, so thank you so much for making that space and making it feel safe yeah. to answer vulnerably. It's important.